Hey, welcome back, everyone. There's some new updates on live organ harvesting in China, namely that Republicans and Democrats in the U.S. are actually joining together now to condemn the CCP for it. Uh, in my opinion, a very good development uh, in terms of getting word out, especially even on this happening. Uh, but this is going to be big, especially because this is one of the no-go, well, one of the main no-go topics of the Chinese Communist Party. They tried to silence the world on human rights abuses. If this comes out, it's going to blow the lid on the CCP. Uh, we're we're going to be going into that, a few other things with national security. Also, folks, you have Republicans now trying to get details on the COVID origins, and even some Democrats are joining with them. In fact, there's some bipartisan moves with this. And the FBI looks like it's blocking it. I'll be showing you what's happening with that. Um, remember, the FBI, we, know, we now know, has assessed that COVID leaked from a laboratory. Uh, you have Dr. Fauci coming out and, first of all, trying to cover it up, and now saying that just because it came from a laboratory doesn't mean it was man-made, which is, it could be true, but, you know, we'll go into this. Uh, it's going to be interesting, folks. Uh, also, after the jump to Epoch TV, we're going to talk about what we cannot talk about on YouTube, namely the new January 6 videos, and also how this is basically raising some serious legal questions, because it turns out the government was withholding evidence from lawyers, exculpatory evidence, uh, meaning they were not providing people with information that could show the innocence of their clients. Uh, this is actually pretty big when it comes to the nature of even whether they're getting free trials, i uh, sorry, <laughs> whether they're getting fair trials, and whether, interestingly, this is even legal, what's happening to them. Uh, that'll be after the jump to Epoch TV, because YouTube, we can't even talk about it on YouTube, despite the fact that it's true. It's going to be an interesting episode, folks. Stick around. Again, those of you on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Rumble, join us on Epoch TV. After about 25 minutes, we'll jump over exclusively. So that says jump into it. Folks, let's talk first about the Chinese Communist Party and live organ harvesting. Epoch Times had the story on this. They say bipartisan Senate bill aims to punish Beijing for forced organ harvesting. It says a bipartisan group of lawmakers in the Senate is aiming to hold the Chinese Communist Party accountable for forcibly harvesting organs from prisoners of conscience, many of them religious believers, most of them, as far as we know, Falun Gong practitioners. It says S761, also dubbed the Stopped Forced Organ Harvesting Act, would authorize the State Department to deny or revoke passports and visas to anyone involved in forced organ harvesting. It would also require annual government reporting on the illicit act in foreign countries and impose sanctions on facilitators. There's a quote from Senator Tom Cotton. Republican, he's saying there is growing evidence that the Chinese Communist Party has and continues to harvest organs from persecuted religious groups, prisoners of conscience, and inmates. And he led the legislation with Senator Chris Coons, a Democrat. Now they said in a March they said this in a March 9th press release. Now he added that it's quotes past it's past time to hold Beijing accountable for this heinous acts. Kuhn's co-chair of the Senate Human Rights Caucus, described forced organ harvesting as cruel and immoral, noting that it often targets ethnic and religious minorities and some of the most vulnerable groups in the world. He said, I am proud to reintroduce the bipartisan Stop Forced Organ Harvesting Act that will empower the Biden administration to take action against those who practice this despicable crime. Um... So Epoch Times, or Epoch Times, we actually broke this story 
years ago. I, I believe it was 2006 or 2007. Uh, we, had, we had sources coming out from China saying that the Chinese Communist Party was using religious believers as living sources for organ transplants, uh, pulling them down like sh like products on a shelf, killing them while extracting their organs, usually while they're still alive. Um, because, of course, you know, some of you may know, when you, when you do an organ transplant, the freshness of the organ, so to speak, uh, can have a huge, can play a huge factor in determining whether or not you can successfully have an organ transplant, especially when it comes to, you know, vital, you know, hearts and so on. Uh, the Chinese Communist Party gets around that by taking healthy, living people, uh, tying them down, uh, sometimes even without painkillers, as we've been told, and extracting their organs while they're still alive and while they're still living, breathing, and fully conscious, uh, using their organs, transplanting them, and um, killing them in the process. They they even take the skin, uh, notably. They even they even they 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 skin people. Even there's horrifying stories of this. Uh, the way this is normally portrayed is that the CCP, ha, ha, basically because in Chinese culture, this is important to note, in Chinese culture, the preservation of the body is very important in burial rites and so on. In fact, in traditional Chinese culture, if you read back, the desecration of a body is regarded as like a major sin. It's regarded as like a, a major, you know, heavenly crime, basically. And you'll see in a lot of older Chinese novels and books that if a person's going to be killed, they'll often request that the body not be desecrated. You know, they're more afraid of their body being desecrated than of being killed. It's because of this that because of traditional Chinese culture and beliefs that still, you know, exist today, people usually do not agree to become organ donors upon death. Most other countries um, have voluntary organ donation programs. If you sign up for your driver's license, you can choose or not choose to become an organ donor. In China, they don't really have that. And so they get their organs from prisoners, you know, people that say they execute, for example. Uh, the problem is in China, what constitutes, what, what defines a prisoner and what defines someone on death row? That, well, that could be someone who believes in democracy. That can be a Muslim Uyghur. That can be a house Christian. Your only crime is following the original tenets of your religion rather than the CCP-run version. Uh, most of them, as we now know, are Falun Gong practitioners, also known as Falun Dafa, Chinese meditation practice based on the ideas of truthfulness, compassion, and tolerance. Uh, basically, people trying to be good people and being persecuted for it uh, because the CCP regards it as a threat to ath their atheistic rule, as they state. The other problem you have is that it's not only hospitals in China. A lot of it's actually being done through the military hospitals. But there's actually, there's actually a lot of foreign involvement as well, including organ tourism, including doctors who engage in these practices, going to international organ transplant symposiums and so on. The Chinese Communist Party risks becoming basically the, the global leader on organ transplant technology because they have so much experience because they do it so often. Now, some countries have restricted the ability of citizens to travel to China for organ transplants, but some don't. In fact, some doctors even promote it. Um, some countries, basically, the China works as the place to go get organ transplants, and they, they will kill people in order to give you an organ. Uh, innocent people. Now, that being said, to hold them accountable would be a big deal. Um, we, we might remember we talked about 
this huge study they did. They they paid, they put it on trial in the UK, an independent organization, and they found that not only is organ harvesting of prisoners of conscience happening in China, it is happening on a very large scale, and they determined not only will the doctors be held accountable, but anybody who is involved will be held accountable. I will remind everybody that um, when the Nazis were put on trial during the Nuremberg trials, even journalists were, were, were prosecuted, some of them hanged. Um, this, this, is, this actually could happen once the truth comes out of what's happening in China. And in fact, I think the world needs it. The, wor the world needs this kind of justice, in my opinion. That said, folks, while this is happening in China, if you criticize communism in like the Chinese Communist Party, there are teachers unions in the United States that say that criticizing communism is equal to Asian hate. Let me show you. The Federalist had this story. They say Virginia teachers union pushes Senate Democrats to end anti-Asian victims of communism day. It says the Virginia Education Association whipped the Commonwealth Senate Democrats into opposing a Victims of Communism commemoration bill due to its anti-Asian sentiments. So if we criticize communism in China under the Chinese Communist Party, if we criticize the fact that they're using their own citizens as living sources for organ transplants, does that mean that you're anti-Asian? because you're standing up for the human rights of Asian people persecuted by communist governments? Well, apparently the Virginia Teachers Association, the Virginia Education Association, seems to believe this. And it says they demonstrated, it's demonstrating the union's historical ignorance, woke ideology, and educational incompetence. It says in recent weeks, Democrats in the Virginia Senate and the Commonwealth's Teachers Union have shown they see history as a tool to promote racial ideology, not as a means to understand the past. A few days after defeating an Indian-American nominee based on the ludicrous claim that she associated with white supremacists, remember how broadly that's defined now, Democrats in a Senate committee managed to offend Asian-Americans and victims of communism. Further in its state, the Virginia Education Association, which represents school, uh, public school teachers, said it opposed the measure because it was, quote, concerned that the bill would subject Asian-American students to anti-Asian sentiments citing the fact that Eastern Asian countries, uh, Eastern Asia, sorry, contains four out of five remaining communist regimes, all except Cuba. Let's discuss these communist regimes. The Chinese Communist Party, which is carrying out live organ harvesting of Chinese people, Asian people, which has killed between 50 million and 70 million Chinese people. Uh, some put the number even up to 100 million, and, and they're still counting. You have, for example, Vietnam. The Viet you, you, you ask your average uh, Vietnamese refugee, the boat people, what they think of the Vietnamese Communist Party. I doubt they would say that it's anti-Asian to criticize the regime there. Uh, you can talk about Cambodia, where my father-in-law is from. In fact, my father-in-law did a video with the um, Victims of Communism Memorial Foundation because he was a doctor in Cambodia, he was put in a death camp, and he escaped. In fact, you can watch his video on the Victims of Communism Memorial Foundation website. Um, he did a, they did a short documentary on him. Uh, his name is Nal Um, N-A-L-O-U-M, if you want to watch it. 
Uh, and actually, I, I believe American thought leaders also did a video with him. You know, people who've suffered under communist regimes, oh, and then, of course, North Korea, right? Let's not forget North Korea. Uh, we, we can look at how human rights are in North Korea. Is it, is it okay now? Is it anti-Asian to criticize the abuses of the North Korean people under the North Korean Communist Party? That's what they're suggesting here. This is, this is the way that race politics are being used to crush discussions on human rights. This, this is like saying that criticizing Nazism is offensive to Germans. That's the equivalent of what this teacher's association is doing, this union is doing. Um, absolutely appalling, in my opinion. Folks, before we go on, we do have a sponsor today. Today's episode is brought to you by American Hartford Gold. Now, as we've been talking about with the bank crashes happening, inflation is going to continue, especially they do the bailouts and so on. And it's likely going to get a lot worse. It's already getting worse. Fed Chair Powell is warning us to brace ourselves. While there's one way to hedge against inflation, American Hartford Gold makes it simple and easy to diversify your savings and retirement accounts with physical gold and silver. With one short phone call, they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or into your IRA or 401k. American Hartford Gold is one of the highest-rated firms in the country with an A-plus rating from the BBB and thousands of satisfied clients. If you call them right now, they'll give you up to $2,500 of free silver and a free safe on qualifying orders. So don't wait. Call them now. That's 877-260-2764, 877-260-2764, or text Joshua to 65532. Again, that's 877-260-2764, or text Joshua to 65532. And big thanks out to American Heart for Gold for sponsoring today's episode. Frankly, those of you who bought gold are probably pretty dang happy right now because I've, I've been watching the numbers on it. Because um, actually, even after this crash, there was a there was a rush on on uh, on Bitcoin and gold. Actually, folks, going a bit further, what's happening right now? It's interesting. Something else is taking place. Democrats and Republicans are joining together also on calling for an investigation into the origins of COVID nineteen. And there is some division on this. Dr. Fauci first was trying to block it. Now he's trying to reframe it. Uh, you have, of course, the Biden administration. Biden has, they had a bill go forward. Biden is still not sure whether he's going to sign it or not. He's made it clear that he's undecided. Uh, but you also have uh, House investigations now looking into the origin. They have requested the documents on the origins of COVID-19. Because as we now know, both the FBI and the Department of Energy have assessed that a lab leak is the most likely origin of COVID-19, lab leak in China, uh, which if you watch my documentary almost three years, I think three years ago now, uh, you might have known this entire time, but it's, it's nice to see it's coming out. Let's go over this, folks. Fox News has a story and they say this, House Democrats and GOP Republicans vote unanimously, all of them to declassify COVID origins intel, and they've sent the bill to Biden. It says House lawmakers made it clear Friday that it's time for the Biden administration to come clean on what it knows about COVID-19's origin. Republican and Democrats voted unanimously. You almost never see this. 419 to zero, all of them voted on it. At least everyone voted to require the Biden administration's director of national intelligence to declassify all intelligence related to the Wuhan Institute of Virology 
the one I talked about several years ago, and possible links to the origins of the COVID-19 virus. That release will be required 90 days after the bill is signed. The vote followed new assessments of the Department of Energy and the FBI that a lab leak in China was the most likely source of the pandemic that killed millions of people around the world. After those assessments were revealed, the Senate unanimously passed the GOP bill last week, and the House followed its own unanimous vote a little more than a week later. You can get folks, House and the Senate, all Republicans and all Democrats who voted, all want to have this information released. Because as we've been discussing, uh, we now know the FBI and the DOE have assessed that they that a lab leak is the most likely origin of COVID-19. Interestingly, because while well, folks like myself have been censored and attacked for stating that for over three years, um, in fact, it, some, one of the first times I was demonetized on YouTube was because I was saying this. They said it was I was spreading anti-Asian hate. I, I believe is what they said. Now, it's not just it's not just this bill request. And again, Biden has signaled he's not sure if he's going to sign that yet. Um, I think it would look bad on him, given the fact that all the Democrats seem to want it released. But maybe he has reasons for not wanting it to be released. Um, it's not going to look good on him, I should note. Because uh, House investigations looking into Joe Biden and Hunter Biden have now found documents showing that Joe Biden, well, Hunter Biden was had, had business deals with China, uh, some of which very likely did benefit Joe Biden. Um, I will give updates on that as information comes out. The details are a little thin right now, uh, but I will give updates on that. So Biden's ties to the CCP are beginning to be revealed, and if he does not demonstrate uh, really a stronger stance against them with things like this, it could actually look very bad on him, especially when his own party is going unanimously with the Republicans on this. That said, there's actually other there's other channels to get this information. One of them is the House investigation taking place right now. And it looks like the FBI and the State Department are basically ignoring them. Now, to make it clear why this is a big deal, Folks, you had Democrats uh, looking to put people in prison for, you know, again, uh, for refu refusing to work with House investigations. Steve Bannon, for example, uh, may go to prison very soon uh, because he refused to participate in the January 6th committee's investigations into January 6th. The FBI and State Department are doing the same thing now. And we'll see if people go to prison for this in the same way that the Democrats are trying to put other people in prison for the January, refusing to participate in the January 6 investigations. But we'll see. It says here, Epoch Times has an FBI State Department missed deadline to produce COVID origin information to House panel. It says the FBI and State Department did not provide documents by the deadline in response to a congressional request for information on the origins of, co of the COVID-19 virus. But the agencies are expected to comply, so we will see, according to the House panel seeking the information. The information was requested on February 27th, and I'll go further into this. They said this. The deadline, by the way, was March 13th, so we've passed it only by a couple days. But they said, we have not received documents at this time, but we are in communication with the agencies about the chairman's request, and we expect compliance, a spokesperson of the committee told the Epic Times on March 13th. 
And a spokesperson for the State Department told the Epic Times this when we asked them why are they not giving the data. They said, quote, President Biden has directed every element of our intelligence community to put the effort and resources behind getting to the bottom of the origins of COVID-19. We will continue to use every tool to figure out what happened here. And if we gain further insight, the president has directed the administration to share that with Congress and the American people. Well, in my opinion, that's a very roundabout way of saying of not explaining why they're not providing the information they already have to a House investigation uh, when they when they're required by law to comply, and frankly could be held in contempt, just like Bannon is of the of the Senate or sorry of the House, well, contempt of Congress technically for not complying. Uh, you find this very often with political statements. They, they'll, you'll ask them, why are you not doing this? And they'll be like, we believe this is very important. And we're, of course, doing our work to make sure we get to the bottom of it. Well, why are you not doing it? Why, why are you not telling me what you're, what you're doing? <laughs> this, is what they're, this is what they're basically saying. Um, they're not complying with a House request for this information. Uh, they could be held in contempt of Congress if they do not provide it because people are being put in prison for that, which is was previously kind of not really normally done. Uh, House investigations did not normally do that. Democrats changed the game by with the January 6th committee by beginning to hold people in contempt. And rather than state why they're not providing it, what they're stating is, we're, we're currently researching it, and Biden directed us to research it. Well, great. Show us your research, right? Show us your research. Regardless, uh, it says the FBI just entirely declined to comment. Uh, we actually tried contacting the FBI. They had nothing to say. Uh, they didn't respond at all. Well, they declined to comment. Now, Basically, right now, it says the uh, the select committee is investigating the origins of COVID-19 and the CCP's efforts to cover it up. And also, folks, you know, we'll see what comes out with this. Uh, they pledged to leave no stone unturned. So it's going to be interesting as this comes out. Uh, Dr. Fauci is, of course, in the hot seat with a lot of this because it's coming out now that his organization was, well, financing this research to some extent. Um, research that we is, I think, widely believed to have led to the creation of a virus either very similar to or COVID-19, um, including, for example, what would constitute uh, gain-of-function research, although in their legal documents they don't use the, they don't use the phrase gain-of-function. The story coming out now is basically that, in fact, Joe Rogan had, I believe, um, an individual on just talking about this. Uh, Robert Kennedy Jr., I believe. You've had other folks doing rounds talking about the history of um, Fauci's involvement with this type of research. And Fauci's in a very difficult position, uh, as he needs to make this clear. Uh, he's even having online spats with individuals who are calling for his prosecution, in fact. The story coming out right now, <laughs> the story coming out right now, and again, we'll see what, we'll see where things where the, we'll see where the coins fall, let's say, uh, is that Fauci was, was doing uh, basically gain-of-function research in the United States. Gain-of-function, even though it may not be defined as bio war, biological weapons research, it's basically the same thing. 
Um, if you are creating viruses using gain of function, you're taking existing viruses and you're adding you're adding functions to them. Uh, for example, we know that with COVID, well, what looks like COVID nineteen, uh, they were manipulating SARS. The COVID nineteen is SARS CoV two, SARS part two, basically. Uh, they were taking SARS and they were messing with the spike proteins to make it so it's able to more easily able to infect humans. Um, they, they were even using humanized mice for this type of research. Now, given that this type of research was banned, actually, I believe under the Obama administration, it was after it was banned that Fauci began working with other companies as, as intermediaries to continue this type of research in China. And the legalities of that are very questionable. Again, they got around the technicality of whether it's gain of function by just not using the phrase gain of function in the legal documents. Uh, but that we'll see if that we'll see how that holds up. That's basically where, where things are at right now. And he's facing a lot of criticism for this. That being said, some folks are now calling for social networks to restore people who are censored or maybe even apologize. Uh, for banning people for talking about the lab leak theory and other things, you might remember that Facebook was the first organization to go after me personally when I did my documentary uh, on the COVID origins, uh, which you can still find on the Epic Times website and on YouTube, actually. But Bakari is saying this, Facebook should reinstate users banned for lab leak coronavirus theory. And it says Facebook got it wrong. They got it wrong on many other occasions. And we'll get it wrong on many future occasions, of course, but this time it is different. They've admitted they got it wrong. The company recently backtracked on a long-standing policy of coronavirus-related censorship, saying it would no longer remove claims that the virus is man-made or lab-manufactured. As Breitbart News' as Simon Kent reported, this occurred on the same day that President Biden ordered intelligence agencies to increase efforts to discover the cause of the virus. And they said... The policy change came on the day President Biden ordered. I will restate this. Uh, basically, folks, if you remember back when I did my documentary investigating the origins of COVID-19, uh, I believe we we got around 150. We we had about we had about 100 million views within just a couple of weeks, actually, or maybe three weeks or so. I think we topped off at about 150 million. But a lot of those views, a lot of those views were on Facebook. Uh, we had celebrities sharing it, and it was getting a lot of traction. Facebook then shut it down. Uh, Facebook, in, I mean, they did bizarre things, things that, frankly, I wonder if I could hold them legally liable for, to be honest. Uh, first, they had a fact checker uh, state. First, they put a fact check on it, and they used they used a fact checker who had tried to debunk, I believe, a New York Post article or another. It was another media's article. It turned out that fact checker had previously worked at the Wuhan Institute of Virology and the basis of her claim saying it was disinformation uh, was because uh, she claimed that as someone who worked at that laboratory that the security protocols were very good and because the security protocols were very good a lab leak possibility was not there. Basically, she said it's impossible because China has such great security. It's a ridiculous claim because lab leaks happen all the time, actually. Uh, that They, of course, did a second review after that. Well, they did other things, too. They, they also said that the image of my face on the advertisement, 
of the well not the advertisement but, but of the video they said my face was sexually suggestive <laughs> not even joking and they put they put an age restriction on it and then every single person who shared the video was sent an alert by Facebook telling them that they shared um, disinformation or false content or whatever. And then they did a second fact check, I believe from a, I believe it was like a Brazilian fact checker or something like that, um, claiming that some that my theory was fake or that my findings were fake because I discussed actually their scientific documents, uh, which included, for example, analysis uh, that there were looked like there was experiments happening with HIV, uh, which, if we understand the nature of the immunocompromise, the fact that people become immunocompromised to some extent with COVID nineteen, um, you know, it's actually plausible. And in fact, research has been coming out more recently showing that actually it looks like they were doing experiments even with HIV. Um, and the ability of this to compromise a person's immune system. There's surprising stuff like this. Um, of course, the documentary was all based on public, it was, it was based on publicly available research. We didn't really go off on a limb on anything. Um, it was all very solid, and everything has since held up, lo and behold. Yeah, Linda, two thousand ten. You said you can find it on YouTube, but when they but they slap a big warning on it when you go to share it. Oh, there you go. Anyways, I'm wondering if I'm. I mean, I don't like engaging with court stuff. I I could probably sue them for a lot if I really wanted to, but it's ridiculous. Um, it's ridiculous, and I'm glad that I'm glad the truth is coming out. I'm glad that they're backtracking some of this. I would personally like a very serious apology from Facebook, uh, but again, we'll see if that ever happens. Regardless, folks, it's nice to be vindicated, um, and I, I think the again the research has withheld ha, has withstood the test of time. All right, folks, for the rest of the episode, we're going to have to jump over to Epoch TV because, well, while we're being proven right on one thing, another thing is still deeply censored, and that is January six even though I will say our research on that is also beginning now to come out as being true. Um, but YouTube will actually give us a strike if we talk about some of this content, and so we cannot talk about this on YouTube. Uh, they've given me retroactive strikes on this, in fact. Folks, that said, let's jump over to Epoch TV, and we'll talk about January 6th and legal questions that are now being raised for the Department of Justice from the videos that Tucker Carlson released videos which corroborate those findings we had in our documentary invest uh, sorry the documentary the real story of january 6 which you can buy on dvd by the way on the epoch tv store folks let me show you a quick trailer though before we jump over yeah there you go robert f kennedy speaking of him the individual really calling out fauci right now spoke with our uh, host yanya kellick on american thought leaders and he did a really interesting two-part series. Uh, this is part one. He says, the dark secrets of the childhood immunization schedule and the vaccine approval process. If you have kids or grandkids who are going to be vaccinated, this is important to watch. Uh, you can watch this uh, interview on Epoch TV. Let me show you the trailer of that, and then we'll jump over exclusively to Epoch TV for the rest of the episode. If you want to flourish at NIH or any of these regulatory agencies, the way to do that is by carrying water for the pharmaceutical industry. Today I sit down with Robert F. Kennedy Jr., 
the founder and chief legal counsel of Children's Health Defense and author of The Real Anthony Fauci. In this comprehensive two-part interview, he shares his journey from environmental activist to a fierce critic of the vaccine approval process in America. Not a single vaccine on the childhood immunization schedule has been tested against a true placebo, he argues. How did we get to where we are today? How is it that the Bill of Rights was essentially suspended during the pandemic? And what role did government agencies play in all of this? What is the CIA doing in a pandemic simulation? They're not a, a public health agency. This is American Thought Leaders, and I'm Yanya Kelleck. Again, folks, that is on Epoch TV. It's an interesting episode to watch. And if you have kids or grandkids, I recommend it. That said, folks, let's jump over exclusively to Epoch TV to talk about things YouTube will currently not let us talk about. The next frontline topic, which is the truth of January 6th, now being released and now vindicating what we've all been talking about for well, two almost two years now. So let's jump over now to Epoch. Well, almost three now going on, but two plus. Let's jump over to Epoch TV exclusively, folks, and I'll see you there. And thank you for being here, folks. Thank you for your ongoing support as well. Um, you know, I kind of, I kind of wish we'd like get proven right sooner. <laughs> you know, um, it seems to be the case that there's about like a there's a two year delay for a lot of the stuff we talk about here, uh, between you know what we talk about and what comes out publicly. Uh, but hey, it comes out that we we should celebrate our victories. You know, we're all in this together. We should celebrate our victories. Uh, it looks like the truth about January six is the next big thing coming out, and this is actually raising some serious legal questions because, as we've also been discussing, the way these prosecutions have been happening are utterly ridiculous and probably illegal. The Justice Department, not to mention the courts themselves and possibly the judges, may be violating the law. They may have violated the law on how they were handling these January 6th cases. And if this is ever properly put on trial, uh, this could be considered uh, fruit of the poisonous tree, where basically everything has to get thrown out. In my opinion, they should face charges for crimes against humanity for what they have done to people who were put in prison for January 6th, and for the way that they have hidden from the public and from lawyers exculpatory evidence. Now, that evidence is in the form of the over 41,000 video, uh, over 41,000 hours of video, uh, which they are now beginning to release selectively to an extent. Uh, McCarthy House Speaker, he is he gave the he gave the video files to Fox News. Tucker Carlson did two, I mean, kind of short segments on it, but those are having those are having a big impact now. He's now saying that they're going to slow roll release these forty one thousand plus hours of video to news outlets. I know there are groups allegedly that have the videos as well that are planning to release it publicly. I think that would do a lot of public good. Regardless of that, though, uh, Washington Examiner had this story, and it's not just them saying it. This is coming out now pretty broadly. They're saying Tucker Carlson's January 6th footage creates legal headache for DOJ prosecutions, Department of Justice. It says the release of new tapes from the January 6th Capitol riot, the great walkthrough, I can also call it, 
on Tucker Carlson's Fox News show could create a major legal headache for the Department of Justice's handling of cases against hundreds of defendants, according to legal experts. A lawyer representing one of five Proud Boy members put on trial for seditious conspiracy referenced Carlson's showcase on Tuesday, on Thursday, sorry, saying the tapes offered to the commentator by House Speaker Kevin McCarthy prove that federal prosecutors hide plainly exculpatory capital security footage. Uh, by exculpatory evidence, they mean evidence that would show a person's innocence. What the Democrats were concealing from the public and from lawyers, which is illegal, by the way, was actual footage which shows the innocence of many of these individuals. Videos which actually, even in the documentary I did, um, The Real Story January 6th, we actually have some of those uh, unreleased videos, which we've gotten through various sources. Um, and as you can watch in the documentary that I did, uh, you can watch those videos and you can see the evidence. Uh, you can see the evidence that would show the innocence of individuals. A lot of that is not available to the lawyers. Now, the big question is, well, why is it not? The other big thing is, well, it's actually not legal for them to withhold that type of evidence. Um, in fact, wrong. this should be considered wrongful prosecution, and there should be investigations into whether that wrongful prosecution was also politically motivated, and also who was involved in the withholding of this evidence to the lawyers. Um, really, in my opinion, we need to have a human rights tribunal, in my opinion, looking into this. And I believe that even, even the judges, if they are guilty of this, should be you know, prosecuted for it. But regardless, it continues saying the court file, and, and that's my opinion, of course, having seen some of this video footage and knowing the fact that a lot of these people are innocent. And you, if, you, if you watch the videos, you can see it. But it says the court filing is the latest of several requests for a mistrial from attorneys representing the five Proud Boys who have repeatedly accused the government of wrongdoing. All their previous requests have been denied by U.S. District Judge Timothy Kelly, an appointee of former President Donald Trump. The problem you have with this is that the justice system, it appears, has been politicized, and the justice system is not functioning as it should. Uh, really, many of these cases should be released to local judges. Um, basically, the D.C. courts are holding all these cases, and they're refusing to let judges outside of their control uh, you know, prosecute these cases. And the judges, it just looks like they're just rubber stamping things. They're trying, what they were doing, in my opinion, what it appears they were doing, is they're trying to get guilty pleas. Because the guilty pleas basically corroborate the charges. Let's put it this way. You have individuals who are standing before a judge and they're facing really wild accusations, things that will not hold up. They're facing uh, charges, for example, of disruption of an official proceeding that they tried to disrupt, for example, the counting of electoral college votes, um, which is fundamentally untrue because technically what, what disrupted that was the pipe bomb threat. Technically, that was the first disruption. And so even legally, that doesn't hold up. But regardless of that, on part two of why that's not legal or legally sound is because that law was never meant to be disruption of Congress. That law was meant to be around destruction of evidence. It was made, off, it was made for the Enron case, in fact. The 
application of that law for this is unprecedented, meaning people would have, had, would have had no idea they were violating a law such as that. The Constitution gives you the right to protest. Um, it's ridiculous that they're trying to use that. That's one thing. The other thing is seditious conspiracy and the idea that they're trying to well, commit sedition. They're conspiring with each other to overthrow the government. That's the charge a lot of them are facing. Uh, they're facing all kinds of charges like this, and people are facing 20 years, even longer, in prison. Now imagine you're facing charges for wanting to overthrow the government. You're facing charges for trying to stop the counting of electoral college votes, meaning you're trying to interfere with the election process, and you're, you're offered a plea deal. You can, you know, basically go to jail for 20 years, uh, or longer. You're already, you've already spent maybe two years uh, sitting in solitary confinement. Your mental state is degraded from what is actually a human, what is considered actually a human rights abuse. They have altered the laws in order to hold people that way uh, because there's a char there's basically a, a specific statute, or a, spe a specific exception to the idea of, you know, being able to be tried quickly, right? You have the right, you have the right, you have the right to a fair and rapid trial. Um, they're able to hold people indefinitely, including in solitary confinement, because they're using uh, they're using a certain exception for that that's reserved for murderers and people who've committed extremely like terrible crimes. And so they're able, imagine you're in that situation. You, you've seen that you have no constitutional rights. Your constitutional rights are thrown out the window. You've been abused by the legal system. You've been, there's been cases, for example, of they have to wear face masks all day. There was an incident where pepper spray got into the vents even. Wild stuff like this. You've endured all that. You're dragged in front of a judge who you do not believe, many of them at least do not believe, will give you a fair trial. Uh, you know the D.C. juries are probably not going to judge you fairly as either because this is a politically divisive case. And they tend to be very far left in general. What do you do? 20 years in prison or do you accept that plea deal? If they accept the plea deal, what that means is this. It creates a backlog of cases and they can say based on court decisions, the court determined that there was seditious conspiracy, that there was a plot to disrupt the elections, that this was a, this was an attack on democracy itself because people are pleading guilty to it, right? They plead guilty, that becomes precedent. That establishes a backlog of evidence they can use to go after Trump. And I personally believe that's why they're doing it. They are really persecuting American people. They are doing things that I believe are absolutely illegal. They are doing things that are extremely abusive of human rights, things you, you would see in like a communist country. And they're doing this, I believe, politically, because they want to go after Trump and they need that backlog of prosecutions, those guilty pleas, as the evidence to do that. That's at least the way I believe they're doing it. This is, this is why I believe they're doing it. Regardless, though, uh, the evidence is going to disrupt this. And the evidence, especially if people challenge now the court, because they can even retroactively go after it for wrongful prosecution, um, even filing charges locally, I believe, uh, this actually raises some serious issues for the Department of Justice and even for these, judge, even for these judges and prosecutors. That being said, something else really crazy is coming out now, which is that they've been destroying evidence. Look at this, folks. Western Journal report, FBI 
caught doctoring, destroying 388 items of evidence in January 6th Proud Boy case. Remember I told you previously that they were doctoring evidence? Remember I told you that? There you go. One of many examples, in fact, that, that I'm aware of. But they say this, the FBI has been accused of doctoring evidence against a defendant who was involved in the Capitol incursion. Uh, it says that the controversy erupted last week after an attorney for uh, Ethan Nordin, a Proud Boy member, facing charges over the events of January 6, 2021, said hidden messages between FBI agents had been found in a document presented to the FBI to the court by FBI Special Agent Nicole Miller, according to Newsweek. And they said this, quote, A close examination of the agent's sheet revealed over 1,000 hidden Excel row messages, a court document said. Nordy must be permitted to cross-examine Miller with the hidden link messages to determine whether defendant's Sixth Amendment rights have been violated through government collection of attorney-client communications about trial strategy, said the court filing by, by Nordine's attorney. In other words, you have attorney-client privilege. This is something protected. This is a protection you have under the Constitution. Uh, the government cannot basically violate your right to communicate in, discreetly with your lawyer. This is one of the ways that the you know, integrity of the court system and a fair trial is upheld. The FBI, it seems, has been violating this by violating the, your, your right uh, to have private conversations with your attorney. Um, something that, again, is pretty dang serious because this is a constitutional violation that has now been allegedly at least revealed. It says, Roger Roots, an attorney for Pozzola, explained the significance of the find. He said, there are a couple of emails between FBI agents casually discussing altering a document and destroying hundreds of pieces of evidence. Remember, folks, how I said that the disruption of, of an official proceeding was about destruction of evidence specifically for Enron? Isn't it ironic that the FBI may be violating the very law in the true application that they are applying through unethical means in a case uh, in charges that have never been used in such a way? The FBI is violating, it, possibly at least, the very crime they're accusing others of committing. The lawyer also said it's very disturbing and right now we have more questions than answered. That's an epic time said that. Well, that was Roots telling Epic Times. And they're filing for a motion to dismiss the case, actually. Let me show you this, folks. It gets, it gets deeper. This is Matt Gates, a video of him. Matt Gates, this is Kanakoa on Twitter. Matt Gates says congressional Democrats are targeting FBI whistleblowers who are exposing the agency's politicized persecution of January 6th protesters. So not only is the FBI destroying evidence, not only is the FBI violating attorney-client privilege, not only are they really through prosecutors and the judge under the DOJ, which would include the FBI, uh, not only are they preventing cases from leaving D.C. District Court, not only are they wrongfully prosecuting people and withholding exculpatory evidence, but they're even targeting uh, the whistleblowers. They're even going after the whistleblowers, the people stepping forward to reveal the abuses taking place within the justice system. And this is now coming out because the sorry, the uh, House, now led by Republicans, is investigating it. 
And they have whistleblowers who have stepped forward to reveal this. Let me show you what Matt Gates has to say about it. I've been involved in taking the transcribed interviews of several FBI whistleblowers from around the country. And a substantial amount of the testimony that they've given us deals with the treatment of people who were unfairly targeted as domestic extremists or somehow associated with January 6th, when in fact, in a great number of these cases, there was no predicate criminal act to even investigate, no evidence that people had committed crimes. Uh, so I normally wouldn't go into evidence in the middle of an, of an ongoing investigation, but something interesting happened. As these FBI whistleblowers came in, the Democrats would release out of context portions of their depots and then would do opposition research on the whistleblowers and blast that out in reports to try to discredit the work um, before we could even even begin it. And since they've done that, we feel like we need to vindicate the stories of these people who've come forward because think about the deterrent effect. If every time a whistleblower comes forward to share evidence of FBI misconduct, they, their family gets smeared, their spouse gets fired, their targeted, the, uh, their financial situation degrades, they can't get jobs. And so they're trying to discourage the truth from coming out. And that's why recently at CPAC, I called to remove the Democrats from the transcribed interviews. If, they are, if their involvement in the investigation is gonna be to harm the investigation, they shouldn't even be included. And if you look at what happened during the January 6th investigation, it wasn't like anybody who had an opposing view was in the room the Republicans, they counted, were Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney. And so uh, I think that that's an initial step, uh, but it wouldn't surprise me. We saw an FBI lawyer change evidence before a secret court, and that guy had pled guilty to a crime and now has his law license back. That's Can you believe that? I mean, you think about the message that sends. So the FBI patriots who step forward and say, you know what? I'm being asked to do weird and possibly unlawful things people who you're claiming are some sort of insurrectionist because of January 6th, and we put those folks on no-fly lists, we ruin their lives, and then at the same time, someone who literally admitted to changing evidence to try to implicate someone close to Trump to get surveillance on the Trump campaign, that guy can practice law in D.C. this week. Now, folks, remember, this is a House investigation. This is a House investigation looking into this. There are whistleblowers stepping forward to reveal what they say are abuses. Now, this is two different this is two different laws. On one side, you of course have the House investigation. A disruption of a House investigation could be considered contempt of Congress. The individuals threatening whistleblowers, the individuals trying to prevent them from stepping forward, they should be held in contempt of Congress, in my opinion. Uh, what they're doing is probably not legal. The other side is, in America, we have the Whistleblowers Protection Act. If you're a whistleblower and you apply for whistleblower protection, you cannot be targeted like this. It's illegal. And the individuals targeting these whistleblowers should also be targeted legally for violating that act, for violating the law, at least in my opinion. Um, it's wild stuff, really wild stuff that is preventing or you know, making it so people will have a more difficult time stepping forward. Because if you're, if, if you are, let's, let's say, an FBI agent or someone else who is witnessing things that you believe are unethical, that you believe are illegal, 
or maybe even violations not only of American law and constitutional rights, but even actually just of just basic moral principles, and you want to step forward as a whistleblower, will you do it if you know that doing so will get you put on no-fly list, doing so will get you reported by Democrat members on this committee who are leaking information, and then you're being targeted by the organization you're trying to blow the whistle on because the organization, the FBI in this case, has the ability to come after you and basically designate you as a terrorist, putting you on terror watch lists for whistleblowing. Uh, this is incredible abuse of power. This, this is, it's things like this that are damaging people's you know, faith in uh, our legal system. And if they want to restore people's trust, at least in, in my opinion, if they want to restore people's trust, they need to stop doing stuff like this. They need, they need to demonstrate that there is transparency, that nothing illegal is taking place, that people have the right, if they believe something is wrong, to come forward and state that, and not target and try to persecute people and even their family members for doing so. Um, it's bizarre. And it's things like this that lead many people, myself included at this point, to believe that they're trying to cover something up. Uh, there's even more to this. I want to show you another clip of Matt Gates during this interview. Charlie Kirk had it. And he's detailing how he now has access to the January 6th committee files. And he's outlining how the committee itself is targeting individuals, including Charlie Kirk. He does um, you know, Turning Point USA. And targeting other people as well. So he's detailing now how this committee, uh, this Gen 6 committee, was even targeting journalists. Uh, let me show you this. One thing I found interesting when we went through the files today, they are incredibly well organized. And as it relates to outgoing documents, they are almost completely complete. Uh, you can go through by name, wow. you can pull uh, the, I pulled the Charlie Kirk file and I saw the way that the Turning Point organization was targeted and Wait is actually it. still targeted. being unfairly targeted. I pulled the Bernie Carrick file and saw the way they went after him. Uh, I, 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 you know, pulled the Mark Short file and I saw how eager he was to cooperate and how even with friendly witnesses, they, they played this game with the subpoena nonetheless. But there was one file with no documents in it that I reviewed and it was the Steve Bannon file. No documents. There was the Steve they, Bannon they, file. They've, they've, they've taken it. It's waiting for me in federal prison for my four month sentence, right? The warden will have it. I, 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 in a, I'm in sure a, justice has it. In a circumstance right. where they were so meticulous to have everything indexed yeah. and included, and in, in almost every case, you saw a letter and like clockwork within 14 days, a subpoena that followed that letter and nothing on the Bannon file. So I, it's empty? Total, it's a, it is There's a, a file. Wow. There is a, there, we found the Steve Bannon <laughs> There's file. There's nothing there. Man. Well, I actually, I, I, not to get in my trials and appeal, but I, I think if you did, it's not that what, what I would want to do to J6, but there's no doubt that the, to me, the, uh, the general counsel for the committee perjured herself multiple times in, in my trial. To have a general counsel, I didn't know that was happening. I didn't know it's just, it's, it's, it beggars belief. Can, it's, can, it's incredible. Well, can you and also, this, this person? Uh, we, we, are, we are looking at the members and records, and I want to know how far they crossed the line when we exercise yeah. our subpoena power, because what I observed was that almost every week 
this, the committee was sending out to Sprint, Verizon, T-Mobile, to Google Voice. Banks all over Some, the country. Hey, all of these phone numbers, I want all of their records. Yes. All of these bank accounts, all yes. these Amex cards, all of the, the PayPal accounts people had, wanting all of the records. It was such a wide dragnet. And I wonder whether or not some of these phone numbers are going to match up to members of Congress. Sure. I wonder if You get that, folks? So beyond all of the everything we talked about already, the the January sixth committee, which was really Democrat run, right? Remember they rejected the appointees the Republicans put forward. They chose two, you know, quote unquote Republicans who basically voted with Democrats, uh, people who voted previously to impeach Trump, people who were politically biased in their own camp, and selected them to be on their committee. The committee itself was carrying out really things that I, I don't think should be considered legal. Uh, they were making files on individuals, people who could be viewed as political opponents, including Charlie Kirk, including Steve Bannon, uh, people who, you know, journalists and so on, creating files on them. Uh, I wonder if I'm in one of those for doing my documentary as a journalist. I mean, I haven't heard anything, but I wonder. Uh, they were also going to credit card companies and requesting location data and other data people. They're going to phone companies requesting data. Um, this is one of the unfortunate ways that governments can get around wiretapping laws. In the United States, it's illegal to wiretap. Um, unless There's a very complicated process to get it if you do. Um, this goes to the, the, FISA pro, the FISA process, which was being abused terribly uh, when they were investigating Donald Trump, by the way when they were accusing him of conspiring with Russia, and Trump said, they're spying on me. They wiretapped Trump Tower. Remember that? There are ways they get around it, which is they go to private companies. Private companies do collect this type of data on you, your web browser history, your phone records. Um, some companies like Google, for example, I, I don't know if they still do, but they used to even have uh, surreptitious recordings of you. Uh, which you can actually disable in your security settings, and you can even you can even listen to the recordings it's made of you. Interestingly, um, I disabled that on my account several years ago. I don't I don't know if they still allow you to disable it because I haven't checked because I haven't needed to. Uh, but Google has that. Uh, we also know that if you have apps on your phone, Facebook, Twitter, and other things like that, of course it monitors data on your phone to a very deep degree. Uh, some of you may have noticed, even while having private conversations with friends, that you may start seeing advertisements appear based on the conversations you've been having. It's because some of these applications, um, of course, listen to your, you know, they're able to access your microphone, and they're able to serve advertisements based on your conversations. But what about your Alexa device at home that is voice activated and is constantly listening? The problem with that is, that, of course, it's being used for business purposes mainly. But governments can request that data and use it against you criminally. The concerning thing with the J6 committee is that they were requesting this type of data, uh, which could include, I mean, just about anything. Your location, who you're talking to, everything you're saying to those people, what you're discussing or saying out loud privately, uh, what websites you're visiting, what you're searching for, all of this. Uh, becomes legal and criminal potentially record. Everything you, every, remember the saying, if you're arrested, 
anything you anything you say can be used against you in a in court of law right anything you, anything you say or do can be used against you in a court of law it's no longer now just in the process of being arrested it's now anything you say or do in your free time anything you say or do on the internet anything you say or do on your phone anything you say or do over email over text all of that can be used against you in a court of law um, including in investigations like this, which are bypassing American law in order to what look, I would say, is illegal, uh, illegal prosecutions. That said, there's some other stuff here, folks. And this is, again, opening the can of worms on January 6th. I, I know it's a bit daunting, but keep in mind the truth is coming out. Keep in mind investigations are now revealing this. And while what we're revealing, I think, is pretty terrible, frankly. It's being revealed. People are starting to see it. The truth is now coming out. You know, my reporting has been vindicated, um, interestingly. And there's going to be more coming out. We're, we're watching now the beginning of those floodgates opening, and the truth is rushing forward. Get this. Clay Higgins' house website. Congressman Clay Higgins has this. Higgins, Coomer, Comer and Green send letter to D.C. Mayor demanding accountability for pretrial detainees. And this is the official announcement from them. It says Congressman Clay Higgins, a Republican, Chairman James Comer, and Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Green sent a letter on behalf of the Oversight Committee to D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser to demand accountability for the treatment and holding of January 6 pretrial detainees. Um, what I would regard at this point a human... Um, major human rights abuse being carried out by the D.C. government and by the court system there. They say this, quote, These Americans have been held without bond under the most horrific conditions for two years. Solitary confinement, abuse, denied access to, to communication, denied ability to meaningfully participate in their own defense, denied access to discovery, denied access to prescribed medications, starved, beaten, tortured. By God, their suffering will be revealed, and their persecutors will be held to account. The oppressors will face justice. DOJ, uh, they say D.C. government, FBI, DOJ, all of them. They say the committee is concerned by reports that January 6 detainees are facing a unique form of mistreatment due to their political, their politics and beliefs representing potential severe human rights abuses. And that is in the actual statement from the committee. And again, like I said, uh, we should have human rights tribunals. There, there needs to be a human rights case on the way that Muriel Bowser, Pelosi, the, Jan the former Jan 6 committee, um, these judges, the prosecutors, the FBI, anybody at the DOJ, anybody involved in this, there needs to be human rights tribunals looking at a possible criminal acts that have taken place to abuse the human rights of these of these defendants and of others who are not only being held there but who are being investigated, harassed, raided, and everything else, surveilled. Uh, really, people should face charges for crimes against humanity, for the treatment of the J6 protesters, and for the treatment of people who were in any way involved with this. My personal opinion, right? Something else is happening now. Trump is actually blaming Mike Pence 
for some of this. And I mean, you know, take this as you will, because Mike Pence is accusing Trump of trying to launch, you know, an insurrection on January 6th. Mike Pence is getting behind the Democrats on the narrative around January 6th and going after Trump, as is the Murdoch empire. A lot of a lot of the lock and, you know, kind of the old school Republicans really are opposing Trump on what was the January 6th narrative. But now that the narrative is turning around, we'll see whether this also turns around. Of course, Tucker Carlson with the Murdoch empire, Fox News, um, has been releasing these, uh, you know, video files and so on, showing the new findings, which challenge the established narrative. And Trump is now coming out directly against Mike Pence. Washington Examiner has this. It says, Pence to blame in many ways for January 6th riot, Trump says. It says, former President Donald Trump responded to fresh criticism from his former number two, Mike Pence, suggesting on Monday that his former vice president was to blame for the violence at the January 6th Capitol riot. Trump claimed that that had Pence declined to certify the results of the 2020 election, rioters would not have breached the Capitol building in an attempt to stop the joint session of Congress. Pence had refused efforts to stop the certification of President Joe Biden's victory, noting he did not have the security to do so. Trump told, again, that's what he says, but remember, Democrats are trying to change the laws to make it so that you would not have the ability to do so. And if Pence did not have the ability to do so, then why would they need to change the laws to make it so you can't? Uh, Big question to ask. Regardless. Trump said this to reporters. He said, had he sent the votes back to the legislators, because remember, you had, dueling, you had dueling electoral college votes from many states, which, depending on how you interpret that constitutional law, could be seen as the legitimate votes, meaning that, that again, state legislatures, being typically in charge of elections, sent forward dueling electoral college votes against what was sent by the governors and so on. Um, some of them were even denied access to the buildings to cast the votes, which should be regarded as election interference. And Pence refused to acknowledge those dueling electoral college votes, is what happened. Trump said this, had he sent the votes back to the legislatures, they, would have, they wouldn't have had a problem with January 6th. So in many ways, you can blame him, referring to Pence. Trump continued stating, had he sent them back to Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, the states, I believe, you would have had a different outcome. But I also believe you wouldn't have had January 6th, as we call it. Trump's comments come in response to criticism from Pence over the weekend that the former president was wrong to demand he overturn the election results. And Pence said, quote, referring to Trump, his reckless words endangered my family and everyone at the Capitol that day. And I know that history will hold Donald Trump accountable. Trump brushed off those comments, claiming Pence was only trying to boost his standing ahead of an expected presidential run. Remember, folks, I told you previously that, based on the sources I had, Pence was initially on board with the decision to send the votes back. Uh, That did not happen. Uh, The reason being Pence wanted to run for president. And Pence does look like he wants to run for president now. And he was informed that doing so would damage his uh, potential ability to become president if he ever ran. Regardless, right, take it as a rumor. It says, Pence has not indicated whether he plans to launch a White House bid, but the former vice president has made himself a familiar face on the campaign trail. 
and Trump said, referring to Pence, I guess he figured that being nice is not working, but, you know, he's out there campaigning, and he's trying very hard, and he's a nice man. I've known him. I have very good relationships. I had very good relationship uh, until the end, referring to Pence. Right, folks, let me show you one last thing, and then we'll jump into questions. So if you have questions, leave them in the chat. The FBI was conducting illegal wiretapping by purchasing data. And well, I'm going to show you another wild thing too. So I'll go over two things, but leave, leave your questions in the chat. I'll get through. I want, to get, I want to tell you two more things. Jump into questions. Remember how I said that there, the Gen 6 committee was obtaining files that they could not normally get on people, um, you know, by going through private companies. Um, really, there are wiretapping laws that restrict the government's ability to monitor your communications. Well, they found a backdoor with that, and that is, again, purchasing the data. It turns out the FBI was doing this as well. And Wall Street Journal has this story. They say FBI once bought mobile data, mobile phone data, for warrantless tracking, and the other agencies still do. They say, the Federal Bureau of Investigations, the FBI, this week acknowledged having bought precise geolocation data derived from mobile phone advertising, meaning, again, they, they collect it for advertisers, but anybody can buy it, including like Chinese companies. The FBI was buying it. In the past, before backing away from the practice in the face of a thorny legal issues and public controversy, it says the precise location of millions of mobile devices and automobiles is increasingly available for sale by commercial vendors, sometimes offering a nearly real-time look at how a phone or vehicle moves around the world. You don't say. Folks, where did we see this again? Where, where did we see... Uh, geolocation data from phones being used as evidence of crimes being committed. And apparently the FBI regards this as being strong enough evidence that they were using it. But where do we see that again? Did you all see 2,000 Mules by Dinesh D'Souza? And remember how they claimed that the data showing the mules, the people trafficking ballots and so on, and ballot stuff, you know, stuffing ballots, that it was not legitimate because the geolocate, you know, the phone tracking tracking data was not, you know, legally sound. If it wasn't legally sound, why was the FBI purchasing it? And why are they acknowledging now uh, that this actually does track people strong enough to use like this? Well, you draw your own conclusions, folks. But it says several government agencies, get this, including the Department of Homeland Security, have bought access to this kind of commercial information, such as geolocation of phones without court authorization, something the FBI claims, at least, says it no longer does. The different attacks underscore the difficulties of applying established legal standards and internal procedures on a new world of washing data. <sighs> Take it as you will, folks. They say that they can't use it on one side. They say that they need to buy it and use it on the other side. Uh, they're even using it in some of the January 6th prosecutions uh, because, remember, even, even credit card purchases and so on, you, even, the bank, even the banks uh, were reporting people for being you know, at, uh, there on January 6th. So, yeah, they regard this as legally viable and evidence that can be used for prosecutions on one side but is wild conspiracy on the other, depending on how you want to apply it. 
it's not just them. The Citizen Free Press said this, that the NSA, Tucker Carlson said the NSA broke into his Signal account and they admitted it. This is wiretapping of Tucker Carlson's Signal Communications, which is a, a uh, it's an encrypted, secure, private messaging application. So they're doing it as well. Although this isn't geolocation, that's um, that would be private communications. Let me show you one more thing, folks, and then we'll I'll play you the video of Tucker saying it, actually. I'll show you that, and we'll jump into one last story. The NSA broke into my Signal account, which I didn't know they could do. How do, yeah. how do you know the NSA broke into your Signal? Because well, they admitted it. I got a call from somebody in Washington. This person said, you know, are you going to come to Washington anytime soon? Yeah, actually, I'm going to be up in a week. Meet me Sunday morning. So I go, and this person's like, are you planning a trip to go see Putin? And I was like, how would you know that? I haven't told anybody. I mean, anybody. Not my brother, not my wife, nobody. How would you know that? Because NSA pulled your text with this other person you were texting. How did you know that? The NSA broke into my... You get that? Um, if, if, if Tucker was looking to interview Putin as a journalist, that would be... I, I mean, frankly, I think it'd be good to do an interview with a national leader. It's, it wouldn't be unusual. Uh, you know, you had people trying to interview Saddam Hussein during the Iraq war, right? They would love to. Uh, but regardless of that, the, the, you could argue it based on this, that the FISA, the way that FISA works um, in terms of wiretapping laws is if you're communicating with foreign individuals, you can intercept the communications to legally to some extent, although there is still a process on it. But there's a process through which you have to unseal the name of the American person they're discussing with. And so they would have had to have gone through a process to unseal that data, um, generally how that works. But I still find it uh, concerning that they were wiretapping a journalist in this case, Tucker Carlson. Folks, one last thing, then we'll jump into some questions. You might remember the stories coming out talking about a ban on gas stoves, and gas stoves were a threat to the public. This turned into broader discussions around gas appliances overall. And even now, the Biden administration is talking about the possibility of executive action to go after gas stoves. Um, what started as a rumor and a joke could soon become law. Well, folks, it's no longer just gas stoves. There's a new target for the Biden administration, and that is washer machines. And I'm not joking. <laughs> Folks, Biden is coming after your washing machine because your washer machine uses too much water. Let me show you. This is the free beacon. This is, this is not a joke. They're doing this. It says, how Biden's new washing machine regulations could ruin laundry, could ruin laundry day. They say when Cincinnati firefighter Ed, firefighter Ed Wallace bought a high-efficiency Whirlpool washing machine, he came to regret the decision almost immediately. And he said this, the, one, the machine used less water, not enough to clean Wallace's work clothes, right? And his colleagues and the firehouse quickly took notice because his clothes were not properly cleaned. He said, I walked past my guys and they said, dude, you stink. I smelled myself and yeah... That's me stinking. The washing machine was not properly washing the clothes, he claims, because it was one of these energy efficient or water efficient ones that uses less water. And it says now President Joe Biden is pushing regulations that could force 
Wallace's stinky situation upon millions of Americans. Biden's Energy Department last month proposed new efficiency standards for washing machines that would require new appliances to use considerably less water, all in an effort, they say, to confront the global climate, uh, climate crisis. Those mandates would force manufacturers, it says, to reduce cleaning performance to ensure the machines comply, leading industry giants such as Whirlpool uh, said in comments on the rule. It says they'll also make the appliances more expensive and laundry day a headache. Each cycle will take longer. The detergent will cost more. And in the end, the clothes will be less clean, the manufacturers say. So it probably won't go after the one you have in your home currently. Uh, if you want to if you want to have a high efficiency or high performance washer machine, get them now. Uh, because who knows, maybe, maybe they'll be worth something in the future. Same thing with gas stoves, by the way. Um, the current lo- the laws they're trying to pass don't restrict, at least not yet, the ones you currently have. Uh, the The restrictions are going to apply to newly built appliances and what can be sold at stores. Anyways, folks, interesting times we're in. <laughs> yeah, while the cartels are kidnapping and murdering Americans, while the Mexican president is calling for actions to uh, launch information campaigns against Republicans in the United States that could impact elections, while China is flying spy balloons and threatening war, while Putin shoots down American drones, Biden's going after the tough issues, like washer machines using too much water. Anyways, folks, again, it's part of the broader agenda, which is all the green, you know, the whole green agenda and climate change and so on, because I don't know if they actually believe this stuff or if they're just doing it for political reasons and they know that. Uh, but regardless, this is a big focus for them. This, this is like their religion almost, you know, the climate agenda. <sighs> folks, jump into questions. Let's see here. First, Sandy Sefik, you're saying, when will they let go of this manufactured climate crisis? Probably never. Um, at least not until they get what they want. The cli- okay, so believe what you will about the climate agenda, right? Um, if you know you have you have Greta Thornburg deleting old tweets because she's saying in five years we're going to have disasters and so on, and all these things are going to happen. Five years past, nothing's happened. Uh, you have, you know, you have all these folks touring around talking about global warming and how we're, we're all going to be living underwater and how the polar bears are floating off on their icebergs. It's it's not true. The The data does not show this, and we haven't seen any results from this. Historical data does not show any anomalies. It's it's all, a bunch, it's all, it's all a big crock of nonsense. The problem is, is scientists can't even say this. Scientists can't even say it without being targeted. Uh, by the you know by their colleagues in in many cases and so there's forced adherence to a narrative much in the same way that the covid narrative and vaccine narrative are being suppressed by the industries themselves politically and through the scientific associations um that being said whether you were whether you believe it or not believe what you will um they are using it politically and if you look at Agenda 2030 of the United Nations, the 17 Sustainable Development Goals, the entire political agenda being laid out by the left is heavily about climate change. And they can use this as a vehicle saying there's a public health crisis, there's a threat to the public, which necessitates extreme measures. Those extreme measures just happen to be everything they want to implement politically. 
right? Uh, the extreme measures are everything from housing to race relations to welfare to food to everything. It, it encompasses everything because everything is carbon, folks. And if they're going, if they want to regulate carbon, that's regulating physical reality because everything is carbon. You and I are carbon technically. They can regulate everything with it using this narrative. You and I breathe out CO2. So, you know, take it what you will. Um, Joanne Hunstiger, you're saying next will be dishwashers. I, actually, Joanne, I think you're ahead of the curve here uh, because they use water. Uh, they, they do use water and they probably they probably do contribute to you know, chemicals in the water, which they're actually trying to regulate right now as well. Personally, this is the ironic shift we have. Folks, are we all becoming hippies? Like, I, I'm like, I'm like eating organic and like, I'm against GMO now and I'm, I don't want to get vaccinated. Like, I'm like a, I thought this was a hippie thing. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny the way this is all going, right? Now we're all concerned about chemicals in the water and chemicals in the food and genetic manipulation of, of things and pollution and so on. I mean, I'm concerned about it now. <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting shift in politics, right? <sighs> anyway, uh, Jen Reinboyd, you're saying Trump hate was dev uh, devised with media brainwashing and paying the right people, a common tactic of communism. Yeah, as I, as I mentioned, um, a lot of it relates to a lot of what they did to Trump is classical mental manipulation techniques. What they used was Pavlov dog type psychology, uh, where basically you, they call it flooding the zone. You, you flood people with information, you flood them with narratives, and you'll find very few people who do not become basically controlled or you know, who accept the narratives. What they did was they emotionally manipulated people, uh, much in the way that Pavlov again, a Soviet scientist who was researching how to social engineer the public was using dogs in these experiments, right? They get the dog, they put food in front of it, the dog eats, the dog salivates. Uh, they even cut holes in the dog's cheek to drain the sal saliva. It was really disturbing studies, but regardless of this, uh, what they found was they could condition the dog to have unconscious physical reactions, salivating, using stimuli, when even when they took the award out of the picture, the food in that case. So they would ring the bell and the dog would salivate because it had been conditioned to associate the bell with food. In the same way, they do this with narratives. In the same way, this is the way Lenin actually used it, the, the reason these studies were done. You can do this with narratives. You condition people to have unconscious emotional reactions. Children being indoctrinated with race narratives, children being indoctrinated with gender narratives, with you know LGBTQ or whatever else, they begin to develop unconscious emotional reactions to stimuli, in this case, political slogans. If let me put it this way, folks, if I if I say something for or against abortion, if I say something for or against, you know, homosexuality or something like that. Every one of you is going to have an unconscious emotional reaction. Some of you will react positively and some of you will react negatively. Your reaction is caused by the narratives you've accepted, whether for or against them. You could call this unconscious, you know, unconscious programming, essentially. Some of that is, of course, based 
traditional beliefs, right? Maybe your religion or moral standards have certain certain narratives on that, which you take as being more important than the political ones. But politically, they're trying to do this as well. And by barraging you with political narratives, framing the emotional response to stimuli, in this case, political narratives and political topics in certain ways, people are basically being brainwashed to react in targeted ways based on what they're exposed to. They did do this against Trump, but Trump is, Trump is one small example in a very big picture of the way this has been used against people. Um, great book on this, Propaganda by Bernays, by the way, or you can read Rape of the Mind by Merlot. Um, let's see here. James Dyson, you're saying you are correct about the delay. I think you're referring to me talking about how there's a two-year delay with everything. But the things we talk about here and the way the news cycle goes, uh, vindicating our reporting. Unfortunately, my, my concern with that, though, is that it's nice to get vindicated, but I think people forget. I still get, I still get pigeonholed as a conspiracy theorist or whatever else, even though, like, and I'm sure you folks do too, even though what we say gets proven to be true, you know, later on. Um, even though we're, we're abiding by facts and what we're showing is facts, we do, you know, we get pigeonholed as conspiracy theorists because of this. Uh, but you continue stating, example, Joe, is in Joe Biden, approving oil drilling in Alaska that he was squelching for the past two years. Does anyone think that didn't have an impact on the economy? Yeah, well, I'd, I'd agree with you on that as well. And, um, heck, want to go back in time a little further? Does anyone remember the New START Treaty? That was when uh, Putin and Hillary Clinton, I believe it was actually her counterpart, uh, when they had meetings with the Obama administration and Vladimir Putin in Russia doing a restart in relations, and they had, like, you know, nuclear deals and so on, and they had that big new start red button that Hillary Clinton was pushing with her Russian counterpart to restart U.S.-Russia relations, and then she was involved with signing off on handing over our uh, our sovereignty on energy, and in, in particular around nuclear materials, uranium. Uh, including with the selling off of Uranium One to Russia. Does anyone remember that? <laughs> While Bill Clinton, by the way, was doing speeches and getting paid by them. So they, they were pouring money into the Clinton Foundation's bank account while Hillary Clinton was clearing the way for them to get the deal. <laughs> you know, wild stuff. That was the Uranium One scandal. He wants to look back in the history of that. Here we are now, right? Who's mentioning this? Anyways, uh, Jerome... Agaskinski, you said, why does Biden and any politician do business with China? They should be taking they should be taking them out of these crimes against humanity, uh, for these crimes against humanity. They should, and you know, as remember, there was a human rights tribunal uh, held in the UK that put organ harvesting on trial, and one of the big things they came out with in that human rights tribunal, looking into organ harvesting, was they said not only is the Chinese Communist Party doing this. Not only should Chinese Communist Party leaders be held liable for, you know, I mean, what really could become like almost like a holocaust, and we'll see people were killed by it, uh, but in terms of the way it's going to be prosecuted and people are going to be put on trial in probably tribunals in the future, uh, people are probably going to hang for this or worse. When those, when those trials take place, 
when people faced trial for assisting the Chinese Communist Party while it was carrying out genocide in some of the most horrific ways imaginable, they said that not only should they be held accountable, the individuals who are directly involved, but even people who were investing or putting money into China should be put on trial for those crimes. And so a lot of people have a lot of stake in making sure the truth doesn't get out on this. I'll tell you that. Uh, last question here. This is from Why Am I Here? He said, I think we need another Boston Tea Party. Yeah, you know, a, a couple percent tax on tea doesn't sound so bad right about now. Um, you know, and of course, that was enough. There, there were other things. It's, it's not totally accurate the way it's represented. But, of course, the, the tea tax is cited as being one of the kind of the, the powder kegs that launched the American Revolution when the American founding fathers, some of them, dressed as Red Indians and threw the British tea overboard because they refused to pay the tax on it. We're getting taxed on everything now. I, I wish all they were taxing us on was tea at this point. <laughs> I, would, I would take that couple percent tax any day over, over some of the taxes we pay now. Yeah, the Stamp Act, other people mentioning. Anyways, there was actually a lot more to it. Um, I, I, I'd like to do something more comprehensive on this in the future. They were doing a lot more to the American settlers than most people realize. That being said, folks, thank you all so much for being here. Um, it's always a pleasure talking to you all, and I always enjoy it. Uh, please share this video. Help us get the word out. Um, really, with a lot of this, it's all, it's all word of mouth. And so really you folks sharing Crossroads in our videos is one of the few ways that we get you know, the word out on it. Uh, don't forget as well that we now have a merch shop, and you can buy the DVD, The Real Story of January 6th. You can have a physical copy. No one can take it from you, and at least not easily. Uh, you can keep that in your home. It's 20% off right now if you use the promo code Joshua. Uh, you can give them to your friends. If they don't want to get an Epic TV subscription, you can just send it to them. Hopefully they'll watch it. You never know. <laughs> all right, that said, folks, thank you so much for being here. It's always a pleasure having you all. And that said, as always, please take care of yourselves, stay informed, and stay free. Thank you. The American story was once seen as a light of strength and freedom for the world. It created a government by the people and for the people. But rights were given not by leaders, but by God. Yet now the very fabric of the nation is under assault. What is the real story of America? Why did the Founding Fathers choose a republic over a democracy? And what would the world be if the bedrock of the American Constitution was lost?